saving money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards, we have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Hey, it's Rachel Cook, your modern mentor. And today, I'm really excited to bring you this interview with author Sin Fabre. You know, this was a bit of a pivot for me. I typically interview business authors, but Sin's new memoir, Wolf Hustle, A Black Woman on Wall Street, was a story that was too compelling to pass up. Sin Fabre is a New Yorker, born and raised in the South Bronx and Queens. And when she was 19, she joined a brokerage house on Wall Street. She eventually became a high-earning broker at a top firm, and she ultimately left in search of a more meaningful life. She wasn't supposed to, that's in quotes, end up on Wall Street, but in this memoir, she describes the journey that brought her there. She shares what it felt like so often being the only Black woman in rooms full of white men. She talks about how she learned to use her differences as a competitive advantage and how she claimed a seat and used her voice at every table she sat at. I was moved by Sin's story, and I took a beautiful blend of insight and inspiration from our conversation. I hope you do as well. Well, Sin Fabre, thank you so, so very much for joining me on the Modern Mentor Podcast today. I am so excited to be able to share your story with my audience. Sin, I would love to start with just a high-level summary of the incredible story that you told in your book, and I would love for you to share what compelled you, but really what compelled you now? to tell this story? I think for me, probably the easiest answer is um, I felt like the narrative of Wall Street and how it's always been portrayed on the screen and just in books and everything you see has always been kind of been told the same way. And I said, there's something different that happened on Wall Street for myself and my experience. And I wanted to share that information with people because I feel like this has been kind of you know, the last couple of tough years for some people. And I wanted people to still feel that there was some hope and that there is, you know, strength if you continue to kind of pursue the passions that you have. It is an incredibly powerful story. It is not shy. It doesn't steer away from challenging topics. It doesn't steer away from you sharing some hard things that you've been through. Is there an anecdote or two from the book that you feel like kind of best represents what was so specific and unique about your experience as compared to maybe the more typical Wall Street experience we've all read about a million times? I think um, one of the biggest things that I remember was walking into the boardroom and knowing that I faced a room full of whatever it was at the time, maybe 100, 150 guys. 
and not really finding a familiar comforting face on one side. For me, it was just being a Black woman made me feel like I needed to get there. I didn't feel any intimidation at all by having to say, okay, this is the side I want to be on. I didn't want to be comfortable and stay with familiar faces. I wanted to jump in and be where my face wasn't represented. So I think that's really important that you should not let anything intimidate you as far as when you want to pursue anything, that there isn't someone that looks like you. That's okay. You can be the first. And so I think that's something I wanted to let people know. Absolutely. And that came through so loud and clear. And I hope I hope you won't mind if I read some of your own words back at you, but there is this one quote that I pulled out that I love so much. You say, as a Black woman on 1990s Wall Street, I certainly wasn't supposed to be there. I refuse to accept that. Why couldn't I have a seat at the table? If I wasn't going to receive an invitation, I was going to keep showing up until a seat was made available for me. I showed up to the boardroom every day with an I have nothing to lose mindset, and that was as strong as a white man's privilege. Disadvantages? I was the advantage and I would use everything I had to achieve success. That almost knocked me over. It was so incredible. And I I loved the way that you, at least the framing here, right? It's not about seeing your disadvantages and trying to overcome them or try to, to sort of push them away, but it's actually just flipping the script and letting your disadvantage become your advantage, letting your uniqueness and your onlyness in the room kind of force you forward. At least maybe I'm I'm inserting that story on top of yours, but that's kind of what I took away from it. And I got chills when I read that quote. Exactly what you read is what I felt and I still feel that the disadvantages anyone tells you that you may have are not necessarily your own. It could be someone else's that they feel. And I've always felt that if I'm different, I'm actually the advantage. I can be the dark horse. I can be the person people don't see coming. And so for me, that excited me, you know, to see, I didn't moan and groan. I saw these guys, I'm like, oh, this is great. I have an opportunity to do something different. So yeah, that is exactly what you read is exactly how I feel and how I felt and how I still feel this day. People like the comfort of having something they're familiar with. And it's scary, right, to try something different because we don't know if we're going to fail or if we're going to have success and, you know, how long it will last. And I'm all about just seizing the opportunity. And what that means to me is if there's an opportunity that's presented, if I have that opportunity, I have to take advantage of that opportunity. doesn't matter where it is, the time it is, because that to me is timeless. I remember being a kid and they'll say, uh, who wants to volunteer? And I'm always the first one. I'll volunteer. I'll go first. Because to sit with that fear and that uncertainty, to me, eats at me more. I don't want ha- to take the time to know what that is. I'd rather just, the feelings I'm feeling, just let it come out in that moment and just be like, I'll do it first. You know, and sometimes that's great and sometimes it's not. Um, but at least I'm not sitting on the sidelines wondering. That's the message I always try to push through the people. You don't want to wonder you know, so create your own excitement um, and create your own story. And that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I did. You know, that's something we were we were talking before we hit record. I know you've got some kids and I've got a couple kids. My my younger daughter is in middle school and there's there's this expression she uses. She refers to this this group of kids as pick me girls, mm-hmm. um, which in her mind is a really negative thing. It's the girls that are always raising their, it's girls, it's always girls and they're always raising their hand and it's a pick me, pick me mentality. And my daughter kind of looks at these kids with judgment and I, I it like makes my heart hurt when she uses that phrase because 
I think we all need to be pick me girls and boys and, you know, however we identify. I think it kind of breaks my heart when I see people watching other people raise their hand and, and judging them in a negative way. I think it's awesome. We should all be raising our hand and grabbing for any opportunity we can find. Oh, you know, I appreciate the support. And I'm so glad that you're able to look at it. And when I make a couple of statements in the book, I, and I say white man's privilege, at the time, I didn't know what that was. As I write it in the book, that's what I know it as today. You know, I've had that thrown at me. Well, you, you walk around like you have privilege, and I'm like, I do. But it was never, no one's ever said to me, you have a white man's privilege. And you know, it's there. Yes. You know, everyone has some type of privilege. It's it's about using what you have to your advantage. Obviously, you don't want to hurt people to use your, your advantage, um, the privilege that you have. But that doesn't necessarily define who I am as a person. I am just a person that is able to use what I have to my advantage. And so I think that we all just have to kind of create a space for whatever it is that we have and use our talents. You know, I will just say one of the things that I think I found most endearing about your story is that you don't always come out great in every anecdote that you share. You know, you share moments where you made choices, you know, based on the information you had at the moment, but you definitely left me as the reader with the impression that you look back now and recognize you were flawed and imperfect and as are we all, right? And I think your your willingness to share and be vulnerable that about that is, is part of what I hope people take away. I kind of live that way now. You know, I think when I wrote this story, the, the, the way to write a story for me and anyone that's trying to tell whatever it is they consider the truth or how they went through their life is just to share. I'm always happy to share. Like my friends will, I share the good, the bad and ugly. Obviously there are certain things you don't need to share. You don't need to share everything, but how could I write a story like this and just put myself in this light where, oh, I did everything right and I was led astray. No, there were times I knew what I was doing, but I made a decision based on the information I had and what I thought I needed to succeed, to get ahead, to sometimes make better decisions. So I was so happy to say things about who I was as a person then. And I write it in the 19-year-old, 20-year-olds, I think up to 25-year-olds uh, mind frame and the way I thought. You know, maybe I, I come out a little unscrupulous or whatever it is, but I'm also a human being. And I think that's what is going to come through at the end of the day. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist, you'll want to invite everyone over. From book club to reality TV watch parties, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is infused with two times more essential oil versus regular Airwick Essential Mist for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is perfectly portable and effortlessly easy. The way fragrance should be. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick.
At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. You start the book from your childhood and, and you talk about how you kind of grew into the adult that you are. And it seemed pretty clear to me that from your very earliest days, you were born with some hustle inside of you. For the record, I was not born with hustle inside of me. I, I have learned to develop those skills, right? But for a lot of us, it's uncomfortable. It just, it seemed like it was really, really innate for you. And I, I'm just curious what that felt like for you as a kid. And is there anything that you can think of that people close to you said or did to help you cultivate that? Is, there, is it just how you showed up on this earth? I'm curious how you think about that. I think the universe just spit me out that way. I really do. I don't think that's, you know, I think for some people, yes, you have to develop a skill. That's okay. Like sometimes we don't realize the skills we have until we develop them. And for me, I think that certain things that you just have. Um, and, you know, I just my mom used to say things to me, like when I was a little girl, the things that I would say, and she'd be like, wow, this girl's gonna, I gotta watch her. Cause she's always, you know, I'm trying to hustle my mom at a young age. But I don't think, you know, when you're young, I don't think you look at it as hustling. I think for me, I was just trying to survive. Um, you know, I was just trying to, to get through this, this life. Um, and I didn't even realize that the things around me were necessarily bad. I didn't necessarily understand that there was drugs and violence and I was poor. You know, when everyone around you is kind of at the same level, you don't realize those things. And sometimes what you're seeing on TV, you think is not really reality. And so for me, what I wanted to do as even as a kid was just find my way out of a situation. I wanted to be financially independent. I wanted to be able to make my own decisions without having to lean on people if I didn't have to. And so I think I needed to learn how to hustle and just keep that skill going to always be sharp. I feel like my kids are so much more naive than I am. I'm like, I have a 19-year-old daughter and I'm like, she could never be on Wall Street right now. They would eat her alive. You know what I mean? Like, that's not for everyone and that's okay. As much as we want to share with our kids or people that are close to us, there's nothing more intimate than writing on your own and putting things down on a piece of paper. There are things that you don't even understand until it's written. So to see that come alive in black and white, I think... Even me having a conversation with her with the things that I did in my life is not as real as when you're sitting there reading it. I think that's going to be kind of absorbed differently. So whether I had this conversation with her or not about who I was and who I am all my life, she knows me as her mom. She knows that hustle. Who She knows who I am. What do you feel like are some of the biggest lessons you learned from Wall Street? I think that if you're on Wall Street and you find a way to make it, and, and have success. And success can be whatever it is that the word means to you. You know, success doesn't always have to be monetary. For me, I wanted to be able to know that I could rock with everyone else and I could find the way there. You know, I didn't have that education that a lot of people on Wall Street have. I didn't, I certainly didn't have the finesse. But what I took away mostly from Wall Street was like, if you can make it on Wall Street, you can make it anywhere. You know, that's kind of true about New York. You know what I mean? If you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. But it also says, too, that don't ever let anyone define your character by what they think it should be or who you who you should be represented as. So 
Sin, there's this other quick phrase that you use in the book. You say that your ambition has always devoured all the oxygen in the room. And I, I love that as well. I love hearing people, women in particular, who feel so comfortable in the idea that they take up space and they're not apologetic for it. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about where did that phrase come from? What did it feel like to know that your ambition devoured all the oxygen in your room? And I would also love for you to talk about whether that has shifted for you since the pandemic. You know, I know there are people today who are really struggling to feel their ambition because it feels like everything has changed and everything is different. And I'm just curious how you're thinking about that, your ambition and and what it looks like in the moment. Yeah. So the phrase comes from just always feeling like whatever I wanted to do, there was only room for me to do it in that moment. So when I'm standing in the space, I'm taking up that space. And that's not to say there's not room for anyone else, but everyone has to just have their own space. And for me, in order for me to be in that moment, I have to be the moment. As far as how we like roll into, you know, what's gotten, what's happened with the pandemic in the last couple of years, it's tough. You know, there's no way around it that was tough for everyone. I don't care what position you're in in life, how good you're doing. That was a tough two years because I think everyone kind of had to reexamine the things that they were doing or just even the things they wanted to do and how they go forward. And for me, I took the time to just kind of say, hey, you know what? I really want to talk about my time on Wall Street. And maybe this will be, you know, there'll be a time in someone's life, someone picks this book up and says, wow, this is what happened in this person's life. Maybe it's this isn't so bad. And not to compare my life to anyone else's, because I could never do that. We all live our own lives. I still think that I can be inspired by someone and someone can also be inspired by me. And so when I wrote this book, I really wanted to be as honest as I could and transparent. And if that meant that, you know, I had to shame myself a little bit, that was okay. You know, I'm okay with that. You You have to take a couple of L's to be a winner too. What are the types of people that you find inspiring today? I'm curious. Is it, are you typically inspired by by women that sort of play by the same rules as you? Do you take inspiration from people who kind of look or operate differently than you? Oh, of course. I, I definitely don't feel like we all need to be the same person. I really love to watch the other way people operate um, in the sense that a lot of people just find a way to do things. And it's super, super inspiring to see the different backgrounds, the different challenges they've have faced in the past. I love someone that has been told no a thousand times and on that thousand and one found someone to say yes. So anyone that has perseverance and listen, I'm also happy for the people that get yes on the first time trying to like good for them. If you have (laughs) luck and you have it, I'm not mad at people. I'm not a hater in any sense of like, if you could find a way to get it done and you're not hurting people and you know, I get that sometimes we have to just kind of knock people over, but I'm saying more in a sense where we're, you know, really like hurting someone. If you find a way, find your way. And sometimes that is just kind of being the only person in the room when you're making a decision. So I think, honestly, all stories fascinate me. Um, I'm inspired by so many people in the sense where I'm like, good for you. I'm rooting for you, too. You know, one of the the threads that really comes through your book, you, you talk a lot about some of the really influential figures and moments in your life. And I wanted to ask you a couple questions there. The first one is, you know, you're, you're writing this book from a really reflective place. But I'm curious, as you think about some of those really important figures or moments in your life, do you feel like you saw those for as significant as they were in the moment? Or are these only things that you came to realize later? 
the people and the moments that really shaped you. I think any time you're talking about someone that's directly close to you, like a mom or a sister or a brother, those lessons are, are learned sometimes a little later in life. You don't necessarily see what they were trying to do until sometimes maybe you have your own kids or you've gone through something and you're trying to help the person that's coming after you about the same thing that your mom or your whatever caretaker took care of you and tried to share with you. But I think honestly, in the moment for me, a lot of what my mom said, I understood her in that moment, you know, and I took that information she gave me. And that's why I actually wrote in the book, I was listening to you when you said, do this, do that. I actually heard her. I respected my mother. She was tough. There's no doubt about it. She was a tough woman. She was very tough on me. Um, But I respected her because she had game. And I have to respect the game. It doesn't matter sometimes. You know, you can love a person. It doesn't mean you have to like them. But then, and it doesn't also mean that you can't respect their what they're doing. And so I think for me, the people that I write about in the book, I, I respected a lot of what they were doing. doesn't mean that I would have necessarily gone the same path. But I also understand what they were trying to do and they were trying to achieve something. And I have respect for that. Do you have any advice on how we can kind of pay more attention to the people and the things happening around us so that we find these bits of inspiration as we go? I think for me, I'm really excited that I didn't actually have social media when I was in the business. I think for me, it would have probably been a distraction. I needed to be able to just have conversations with the people around me. And I think that there's so many avenues now that you can get distracted. And there's a hundred different people talking to you at once. And you're not taking the time to say, okay, I need to focus on maybe three or four people that I'm watching them do something that I would not necessarily want to do, but how they're able to get there. Try to just kind of, you know, surround yourself with people that you actually admire. And it doesn't need to be a celebrity per se. It could just be someone that you've seen them do something that you're like, wow, how did they do that? How did they get there? And find a way to get to that level of success but make it your own. And so I think that's really, really important to kind of, believe it or not, make your circle smaller. It doesn't have to be so huge. For me, my circle was very small then, and that kept me from being distracted. What do you feel like is is the number one thing you hope readers take away from your story? I think passion is everything. I think passion can take you everywhere and anywhere you want to go. And 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 whether that's like you want to like have the, you know, the nicest teeth or you want to really get that burger you love and you want to find it and you just want to hit the best clubs and you want to learn how to dance or if you want to learn how to ride a bike or whatever it is, I think you have to just really accept that. Like, okay, I really want to take this passion and take it somewhere. And I think once you have that passion for something, no matter how small you think it is, it leads you to understand that you can also start to have success in other areas because you've just shown that you've been able to succeed in what you really wanted. And so I think that if you can take that away from the book, you know, I said, hey, I wanted to be a stockbroker. There was nothing that was going to stop me from being a stockbroker. I think that it's so important to laugh and laugh at yourself. I get made fun of all the time by my friends. (laughs) Um, My kids make fun of me. Like, Mm -hmm. I even talk about in the book, I talk about my flat ass. It's okay. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it's okay to laugh at yourself. Don't get caught up in what sometimes people are saying. Laugh with them. It's okay to laugh. And I think in life, you need to have a good laugh. You need to be able to reward yourself and have a good time. And though it was a hard business, I had fun. I had a good time. I was able to still enjoy my friends. I was still able to enjoy Wall Street. I was still able to enjoy the success. 
I wasn't mad at anyone in the book. You know what I mean? There was a lot that was thrown at me. And then if you take away from anything from the book, I didn't let that eat me up. I was still able to have a good time. And I think I want people to understand that you can still have a good time, even if something is hard. Find the inner strength somehow and just look at the positive of what it is you're doing. So follow your passion and and make sure that you're laughing along the way. I think that is a lovely place to leave this. Thank you so much for sharing your story with all of us. Thank you for giving me a platform to share it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sin Fabray. And if you enjoyed what you heard, trust me when I say her writing is gorgeous. And you should grab a copy of her book, Wolf Hustle, A Black Woman on Wall Street. Join me next week for another great episode. And until then, visit my website at leadabovenoise.com if your organization is looking for partnership in retaining, engaging, or developing talent. You can follow Modern Mentor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on the Modern Mentor podcast page on LinkedIn. Thanks so much for listening and have a successful week. Modern Mentor is a quick and dirty tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Dan Firebend with script editing by Adam Cecil. Our podcast and advertising operations specialist is Morgan Christensen. Our digital operations specialist is Holly Hutchings. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. And our intern is Cameron Lacey. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.